Well, good morning, Victory. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather once again. We pray that you be lifted up, glorified. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, at the beginning of our ministry, I met a gentleman uh, at a service. His name was Thurman, and Thurman shared his testimony with me. He's no longer here. He's gone to be on with the Lord. But he, he shared this testimony, and I've never forgotten what he told me. It's, I hope that it impacts you the way it impacted me. So he was explaining to me how he had been raised in a Christian home. His mom and dad were both solid believers, raised in a Christian home. But when he got to be about 18 years old and moved out of the house, he said, enough of that for me. And we see it over and over and over where, where uh, children are raised up in a home. And when they get to that point of going away to college or moving out on their own, they just say, you know what, I'm not going to go to church anymore. So he got to that point. He doesn't go to church. And he's in his 20s now. He hasn't gone to church for years. And he, he gets to the point where he's actually thinking, you know what, I don't think mom and dad were right. I don't even believe God's real. So he's, he's uh, rejected the, the notion that God is even real. He gets married has children, his life is going along, and he's, he's rolling up into his late 20s, uh, somewhere around 30, his wife ends up leaving him, and he gets a divorce, and in, in the state where I live in Wisconsin, there is a, uh, uh, a thing that happens sometimes where when you go to court, when a, when a husband and wife get divorced, you go to court, and I've seen this happen many times, they will actually, uh, throughout the different payments and stuff, Basically, the, the, the man, a lot of times, will walk away so broke that he can't even make, because of the, between the uh, child support and the, uh, the, the, the payment to the woman, like literally. So the way they did it for him, he didn't have enough money after the court order and all this stuff. When he paid his bills, paid his monthly bills, and paid the, the child support and the money to his wife, he said he didn't have enough money literally for food. Like his, his check that he got... Like, he had to choose between gas or food. Gas in his pickup truck to get to work or enough to eat. And he was going two, three days at a time without eating. He's like, he lost 50, 60 pounds, literally. He's starving himself because he doesn't have enough money to eat. And so he's doing the, you know, he's going through this. And it just confirms him even more that this God isn't real, right? And so one weekend comes along. He was living in, a, I know the exact spot. It's not, it's probably 45 minutes from where I'm, where I'm from right now. And there's a beautiful little lake there, and just off from this lake, there's a there's a small uh, trailer park. And he's living in this trailer park, driving his little S10 truck to work. And this, uh, he goes out, and uh, he he said he, it's a Sunday morning, and he had didn't have any food at all. Like his cupboards were bare. He didn't even have coffee. Like he's got nothing, and his stomach is growling, and he's hungry. And it's like he's got enough money for gas for his truck for the week. And he might be able to eat like maybe by Tuesday or Wednesday just a little bit. Like his, he said, I am like literally super hungry. And he, he told me, he said, I'm out there and that I walked out to the lake, didn't have anything to do because it's Sunday, he's not working. And he's out there throwing rocks on the lake. He's out there skipping stones. And he starts complaining to this God that he doesn't believe in. Right? And he's saying, God, if you're real, what about me? You know, his wife leaves him, he's, he doesn't get to see his kids, all this stuff. And he's just complaining. He said, I'm hungry. You know, and he's just complaining and complaining and complaining. And this thought comes to him and he says, you know what, God? If you're real, you show me if you're real. If you're real, I am really hungry right now and I want food. 
and I'm going to say a specific kind of food to prove if you're, if you're real, then you've got to give me this specific food. So he's out there skipping these rocks. And for whatever reason, this is what he told me. He said, he said, Lord, if you're real, I want strawberry shortcake. Right? Must have been his favorite dessert, I guess. But he said, Lord, I want strawberry shortcake if you're real. And so this thought pops into his mind. Up the road, just a little bit, a couple miles up the road, there's a little small country church. Get in your truck and drive up to that church. So he's like, you know, what have I got to lose? He gets in his little pickup truck. He drives up to the church. He comes to sit, comes into the church. He said in the back, you know, comes in the back door and the sermon is going because he has no idea what time the service started. You know, they just, just thought palms and said, go to the church. So he comes into the back of the church that the preacher's up there preaching and he sits down in the back row just enough in time, like two or three minutes for the sermon to end. So he comes in at the end of the sermon. He's at, he comes at the end of church and he realizes, you know, I came at the end and he's like, well, this is stupid. What am I doing? And so before the, the glut of people go to exit, you know, he says, I'm going to leave quick before anybody can, you know, before I get caught in the, in the people. So he, he's just sitting there a couple minutes and he goes to leave. And, you know, the guy in the back, the usher in the back, he had been trained by the pastor to spot a visitor. Right. And so this guy's not going to let him get out the door before he gets his hand on him. Right. And gets him to shake his hand. And so. You know, Thurman said he kind of juked and jived to try and get around this guy. And this guy's got him at the door reaching out his hand. And he gets him by the hand and introduces to himself, you know, introduces himself to Thurman. And he says, what's your name? And Thurman says, Thurman Billman. And, and he's like, hey, I haven't seen you. Are you from around here? And he says, yeah, I just live up the road a bit. And now this is, you know, very rural area. And, he, and he's, you know, just trying to get out the door. He just wants to leave. And the guy says to him, oh, we, you know, I'm glad you're here. Uh, you know, we start, we start at such and such time. <laughs> And he, because he saw him walk in right at the very end, right now he's just going to leave. And he's going, yeah, yeah. And he said, he's, the guy won't let go of his hand. He's trying to get out, but the guy's got him by the hand, right? And so he's trying to get out. And, and the guy says to him, you know what? He says, we live right there. He said, me and my wife, we live right, right there, right across the street. I mean, it's a little small town. We live right over here. He said, you know, after church, he said, sometimes we invite people over for a cup of coffee. He said, would you like to come to our house right now for a cup of coffee? He said, maybe there might be a couple other couples that come. He said, would you like to do that? And he's, he won't let go of his hand. And Thurman said he didn't want to be rude. He's thinking, well, you know, a cup of coffee isn't a warm meal, a good meal. But he said, he said to the guy, yeah, I'll, okay, I'll come over there. He said, I just want to be polite. So it, the guy and his wife, they lead him across the street. Another couple comes. And it's just a couple of them sitting around. He said it was kind of awkward. He didn't know them. They were, they, you know, he didn't know who the people were. And he said it was, you know, he drinks the cup of coffee and he's going to excuse himself and just say thank you because it's, you know, they knew each other. The, the two couples knew each other, but he's an outsider and they were trying to be nice to him, but it just was awkward. So he's going to leave and the wife leaves the, leaves the room and she comes back in and she's got <laughs> one plate of strawberry shortcake. And she slides it down in front of Thurman and she apologizes to the other couple. And she says, look, I don't have enough for everybody. And she said, I'm so sorry. I don't even know why I'm doing this. But last night after supper, we had this for dessert. This is all I've got. I've just got one plate of this left over. She said, I don't know why I'm feeling so led to, to share this with you. She said, but would you like this plate of strawberry shortcake? And Thurman said he was sitting there crying and the tears are coming down off his cheeks onto this strawberry shortcake. And he does, he's embarrassed because he's crying. And so he put his head down and he's eating it. But he says, he's praying to God. And he's like, okay. He said, God, if you're real. God, if you're real, we just prove it 
Specifically, I want a plate of strawberry shortcake. And God gave him a, a plate of strawberry shortcake. He ends up going back to church. Uh, Thurman ended, ended up getting remarried. It's almost like the Job story. He ends up getting all his, you know, he gets, ends up getting a house and, you know, things change and he ends up starting. What he would do is he would go into a town, start a uh, Bible study in a local prison or jail, get it going for a month or two, get the guys excited. And then he'd go to the local pastors in that town and say, you know what, I can't keep this going. I've got other, I've got other things to do. One of you pastors has got to take this Bible study over. Who's it going to be? And one of the pastors would take it over and then he'd go to the next town. And he'd do the same thing. And he just went all around our state of Wisconsin starting Bible study after Bible study after Bible study in these jails. And then the next, you know, and then he'd move to the next place and he'd, for, you know, he'd like strong arm these pastors, guilt them into taking it over because they're like, look, who's going to lead these guys, right? And the pastor's like, well, I guess I'll do it. And they just do it. And they just, he just did it place after place. And these guys would get out of jail and say, Thurman, you know, I, I need this, I need that. Thurman would give his stuff away. His wife complained about it all the time. I mean, he'd, one time he gives the washer and dryer away and, and the wife's like, what, Thurman, what about us? Right? How am I going to wash your clothes? I mean, this guy was legit. So I share the testimony of Thurman because he prayed for what? A plate of food. Right? He, he played, prayed for something small. We're going to pull up right now. Uh, we are encouraged in Philippians 4, 6. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So what are we supposed to pray about? Everything. See, sometimes I hear Christians tell me this. You know what? I don't want to pray to God about this thing because it's just too trivial. This thing is just too small. God's got so much more uh, bigger things to worry about, like cancer and world hunger and world poverty. And all this. So I'm not going to pray about this little old thing in my life. But the Bible tells us, pray about everything. Not some things, not the big things. God is in, he's so much in love with us that he's saying, hey, Pray about everything. Tell God about your needs and don't forget to thank Him for the answers. If we make God in our own image, we make Him so small, like, well, like, He doesn't have enough power to go around. His arm's too short. He's not big enough, strong enough, uh, not smart enough to pray about for us, to, for Him to handle the little things in our life. He wants us to pray about the little, the big things as well as the little things. He says pray about everything. And another verse that says, you know, basically the same thing. First Thessalonians 5.17. It says this. Pray without ceasing. Now, is God going to tell us to do something if we can't do it? Is God going to tell us to do something if we can't accomplish it? So obviously, if He tells us, to pray without ceasing, then it's possible. It's possible to do that. How is that possible? Well, first of all, let me, before we go to the how, let's go to the why. The reason why God wants us to pray without ceasing, picture this. If you're married, you are not going to have a good marriage unless you have really good communication with your spouse. If you show me a relationship, if you show me a marriage where there is bad communication, there isn't healthy communication, it's infrequent between a husband and a wife, I will show you a marriage. That same marriage is not going to be solid. It's not going to be complete. There is going to be lots lacking to that marriage. The same goes for any relationship. It could be a, it could be a, a child-parent relationship. If you're not having... Um, you know, sometimes I'm kind of jealous of my wife's 
relationship with our four children. She is like, they've, you know, two of them have gone away to college. We have two in college that still live with us at our, at our house. But like every day they're texting and, and she's in constant everyday communication with our kids every single day. It never ceases. And mine is a lot more intermittent. I'm gone. I'm here. I'm doing this and doing that. But she is intentional. My wife is intentional about reaching out to our kids every single day, whether it be through a phone call, a text, and she is staying in constant communication. And any relationship that is solid and good, the more you communicate, the better it is. Amen? The better the communication, the better the relationship. Maybe it's a relationship between a a boss and an employee. If you've got a good relationship with your boss, there's going to be communication there. So it, it applies to every single relationship we have. What's well, the same between us and God? It's the same between us and God. And the more communication we have with Him, the better our relationship is going to be. How do we communicate with God? Through prayer. And here's the thing. For those of you uh, that have gone through the courting process, gone through the dating process, fell in love, think about, when, you know, maybe you've been married for, like us, we've been married, we'll be, it'll be 25 years here in, in a few months. But think about the time, you know, where a time in your life, and maybe it's not as much right now as it has been, or maybe it's just as much or even more than it was before. But a time in your life where, you know, you didn't live with them, but you just, you know, man, you want to be on the phone with that significant, that boyfriend or that girlfriend. You want to talk to them all the time. Every every opportunity that you could, you wanted to be with them. You just couldn't get enough. You just couldn't get enough of their presence. You just couldn't get enough. And you're just like, man, you're reaching out. You're calling them. You're talking to them. You just couldn't get enough of that. Because why? Because you loved them, right? You just couldn't get enough of them in your life. And you just were just so hungry for their for that relationship. And that's the way God is with us. He loves us so much. He loves you and me so much. He loves us. Now just shut your... I just Could you just shut your eyes right now and think about this? I'm going to just speak this truth. And receive this into your heart. God loves you. Not pastor, not evangelist, not your grandma, not your husband, not your life. God loves you so much that the Bible says He is jealous for you. He loves you so much that He wants to spend time with you every single day. He loves you so much that He wants to have that communication, that intimacy, that relationship. Day in and day out, every hour, when you're awake, when you're asleep, He wants, He desires, He craves relationship, intimacy with you because He loves you so much. So He says, you know what? Pray about everything because then we're talking all the time. Pray without ceasing because then you're talking to me all the time. Do you see it? Can you see that's why he tells us? He loves us so much. He says, pray without ceasing. He says, pray about all things. And the reason why is because he loves us. We think about jealousy in a negative context, but the Bible actually says in a couple places that God loves us so much he's jealous for us. He loves us so much he's jealous for us. In the Bible, when it talks about idols, when it talks about idols in the Bible, uh, a good definition of an idol is anything that we like, Now just think about this. Anything that we like, love, trust, desire, yearn for, more than God. Anything that we like, love, trust, or desire, more than God. Jesus says, where your heart is, your treasure is. 
it's pretty clear when you can stand back, you know, it's, it's hard for us to see the, the plank in our own eye. We can really see the, you know, the speck in somebody else's eye. We can stand back and look at other people's lives and see where they put their time, their treasure, their talents, their, they focus their energy. If you and I were to, to do a, a, a daily log of how much time, where we spend our time every day, and we logged it out for a month, and you looked at my log and I looked at your log, You'd be able to tell me and I'd be able to tell you what's important to you in your life. True or false? Now this is going to step on some toes, but at the end of the day, if you've spent more time on Facebook than you've spent reading the Bible or praying, your priorities are messed up. Right? Anything we like, love, trust, or desire, anything we run to more than God. Yeah, but I like checking in with people. I like looking at this. You know, I get my news there. I get that. God loves you more than anybody on Facebook. Right? He loves you more than anything, any, any hobby. He loves us more than our spouse. Anything we like, love, trust, or desire, anything we run to other than God to get that weightiness, to fill that, to fill that void can become an idol and will become an idol. And it's just, we just look, you just have to take a, an honest look at ourselves and look at our own life and say, God, where am I investing my time? Where am I investing my energy? Right? And then it'll, if we're honest with ourselves, we can see. And God is, and he's saying, I'm jealous for you. I don't want you to have any idols. I don't want you, this is what God is saying to you and me. I don't want you to like anything, love anything, desire anything, trust anything more than me because I created you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I've got so many good things for you. In fact, I've got plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Come to me. Let's, can we just talk all the time? That's what he's saying to us. That's when he says pray without ceasing. He's saying, can we just be together all the time? That's what he wants because he loves us. It's a love thing, right? You know, our first fruits, our first fruits, uh, it's not just money, but it's our time. It's, it's everything. I mean, it, it involves every, every uh, aspect of our life. And I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to challenge you today. Give God your first fruits of your time. I can tell you that God has taught me this over and over and over. And when I've tried to step away from it and try a different way, it he proves to me that if I give him the first fruits of my day, if I spend the first part of my day with him, before my, you know, before the kids are up, you know, so we've all in different seasons of our life. And maybe you're in a season, you've got small children in the house and, you know, those, 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 uh, the babies and the toddlers and they wake up early or whatever. If you get up before they get up, to spend your quiet time reading the Bible and praying to God. Giving Him the first part of your day. Yeah, but I work 12 hours a day. Yeah, I, I work 12 hours a day, you know, basically my whole life. Ran a business, had multiple employees, did stuff. And yeah, I was gone early. But you know what? If if I spent, got up extra early so that I could spend a period of time with God. Reading my Bible and praying. That intimacy, that, that special time with Him before before my day started giving him the first fruits of my day it was always a blessing every single time and it always paid off it always pays off and because we're showing him that he's important we're putting him at the top of the list and it doesn't matter maybe you work night shift maybe i don't know how, i don't know how many shift worker people are here today but maybe you work night shift you sleep during the day, it doesn't matter when you get up whenever the time of your start of your day is if you give that god and 
we can make excuses and we can say, yeah, but I'm so busy. I got this going on. I got that going on. You know, it's really what the question is, where's our priorities? And is God at the top of the list or not? I mean, it's just that simple, right? And the reason why he wants that, the reason why he encourages us, the reason why he tells that, again, it always comes back to love. So how do we do it? It has to become a lifestyle. Uh, a lifestyle of praying without ceasing, a lifestyle of praying w- about all things is made by day-by-day intentional choices and decisions. It's not something that's going to happen on accident. It's not going to happen through osmosis because your wife does it. Or your mom and dad do it. This has to be an individual choice decision that each one of us make to focus on God and put Him at the top of our priority list. Nobody can do it for you. I can't do it for my four children. I pray for my kids. I ask God, you know, and I'll ask them questions. Hey, you know, they'll come, the two that are gone away, you know, are you, are you starting your day with reading your Bible? Are you starting your day before class and stuff? Are you reading your Bible and praying? And, you know, okay, so I've got a 21-year-old and, and like the 21-year-old, I'll, I'll throw it out there. You can't push. You can't make anybody do anything. I can just throw it out there and say, you know, if you do, God is going to bless that. God is going to bless that. You don't have to. You get to. Right? It's a whole mentality, right? Do I have to do that? No, you get to do that. You get to spend time with a God who loves you more than anybody else in the world. Right? Amen? So what does prayer look like, right? What does prayer look like? Uh, a lot of times as Christians, we get into a rut. We get in a habit of thinking like, okay, I'm just going to pray to this God that's somewhere up there so far away. And I'm just throwing up these reproaches. And I hope he's listening because, you know, I'm just hoping he's, he's listening. And it's, it, we can get, in a, we can get in, a, in a thought pattern where I should have grabbed my cell phone. But pretend, you creative people out there, my cell phone is in my hand, okay? If you've got a good imagination, pretend. It's like you dial up your best friend and... You know, maybe you got them on speed dial, boop, right? And they answer the phone, you're like, hey. And I use it, and if I've used this before, and you remember, you think it's corny, I'm sorry, but it's so, it's such a good analogy, right? So you get your best friend on the phone, and you're like, hey, listen to the day I had today, you know, yeah, on the way to work, I got caught in traffic, I was a little bit late at work, and the boss wasn't happy, about halfway through the day, uh, the guy that sits across me, I've been here for 10 years at this job, that guy's only been here for 5 years, and they gave him the promotion that I deserved. That guy got it at work today, and I've been, man, I've been hoping for that promotion, but he got it instead, and I deserved it. And then on the way home from work today, I had a flat tire. That really stinks. And then I got home, and the kids are noisy, and my wife must be mad at me. She didn't cook supper. She threw in a gas station pizza. And you know what? You know, everything's just so crazy in my life. Hey, I'll talk to you later. Bye. And we hang up. And meanwhile, the, the best friend on there is going, uh, trying to get in a, 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 a word edgewise, and then goes, did he, did she just hang up on me? And we roll over and go to bed and start snoring. You know, you're laying in bed praying or whatever time. And we just like, we don't even give him an opportunity to talk back. Because a lot of times we think that praying is just this, we're throwing these prayer requests up there. And it's a monologue when real prayer, biblical type prayer is a dialogue. It's supposed to be a two-way stream. That means when you pray, you should expect that God wants to speak back to you. Right? God wants this to be a dialogue. He wants it to be a... You've heard Christians say, God told me. The Holy Spirit prompted me. That's supposed to be normal. That's what... And it's available for everybody else. For everybody, right? Everybody... This is available for every single Christian because God does not play favorites. I'll guarantee you, there are people in this room today that you feel like God has looked you over and you feel like, you know what? 
God has favorites. It's my wife, it's my husband, it's a pastor, it's this person, it's that person, but not me. Because I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I've sinned too much, or whatever the case may be. And so I'm just not going to expect that God's going to talk to little old me because it's never happened before. And it's just, you know, I never hear God's voice because it's just not the way I'm wired. Or all the different things. But here is a truth bomb for you. God loves you just as much. According to, you know what? According to the Bible in, in the chapter, in John, I believe it's John 17, verse 23, he says this, God loves you, God the Father loves you just as much as he loved Jesus. That's what it says. That God loves us just as much as he loved Jesus. God the Father loves us just as much as he loved Jesus. And he wants to communicate with us. He wants to talk with us. And he wants it to be a two-way stream of communication. He wants it to be a dialogue back and forth. And we get to make the choice if we're going to reach out and grasp onto that or not. It's available. It's available for all of us. And sometimes we've been tricked. Maybe we haven't been taught into believing that, you know, it's not really available for us. Or, or what it looks like. Or what it, even, what it actually even looks like. So I'm going to just give an example. Uh, for those of you who know my testimony, you know that uh, you've heard me give my testimony before. I came from a family, you know, was, you know, a drug and alcohol type family I was raised in. I grabbed onto drugs and alcohol at a young age myself. I smoked pot every day for 20 years. I sold drugs. I, you know, just I lived that lifestyle, not as a weekend warrior, but a daily user for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, we, we got married. We started going to church. My wife uh, started working at the church. And, you know, we're going to church on Sunday and we're going to church on Wednesday and we're tithing, we're doing all this stuff. But I'm still getting high every day and I'm still partying and I might get an eight ball of Coke on a Friday night and lock myself in the garage till Saturday morning or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm still living just like I did before, partying wide open, but we're going to church on Sunday and we're going to church on Wednesday. And, and I start reading the Bible and I know, hey, God is real. I realize it's all real, but I'm so wounded, hurt from... Uh, sexual abuse, repeated sexual abuse as a child and physical abuse and verbal abuse and all the wounds and battle scars that I had in my heart that I'm just using drugs and alcohol to try and make the pain go away. Right? And so I just live in that life and live in that life and live in that life. And uh, we get to a uh, spot where I feel comfortable enough to tell the pastor and these guys in a small group, hey, you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I smoke pot every day. I don't do it before I come to church, but I'll guarantee when I get home from church, I'm going to be lighting up a joint. Okay, and I just told, I just admitted to him, just honest. And so these guys are saying, hey, we'll pray for you, whatever, and we're going to keep you in our prayers. And the pastor gets up one Sunday and the pastor says, now this is, it's a church with, uh, you know, 800 people on a weekend. So it's a large church we used to attend. And the pastor gets up one Sunday morning and in front of the whole church, in front of 800 people, this pastor says this. He goes, you know, I've got some stuff, some junk in my life. And when I'm feeling tempted, when I'm having a struggle, I've got an accountability partner that I pick up the phone and I call this guy. And it's not my wife, but it's, it's this man of God at church. And I pick up the phone and I tell him, look, this is my struggle, this is my battle, this is what I'm dealing with. So that I can vent, so that I can, you know, we can have a communication. And he is my accountability partner. And he said, I encourage you men, get another man as accountability partner. I encourage you women, get an accountability partner. So you can have somebody that you can, and it it's, can't be your spouse. It's got to be somebody other than your spouse is what he it's what he was saying. And so, you know, so he gives us and it was like very humbling for the pastor to get up in front of 800 people, admit he had junk, admit he had garbage and that he needed the the prayers and the encouragement and uplifting, uh, you know, of another man at church. Right. 
So this guy comes up to me after church who was on the small group, Tim. He's a close friend of mine now. At that time, he was just, you know, somebody I knew from church. And let me just stop right here and say this. We attended church every Sunday and we attended church every Wednesday. But I have to be honest and tell you that my friends, the people I lived life with outside of work, were not from the church. Right? The guys that I was smoking pot with, the guys we were riding out, going to the strip club and riding Harley and racing dirt bikes and all the guys I did all that stuff with, they weren't church guys, but that was my core group of friends. Those are the people I was spending time with. I mean, I'd say shake somebody's hand on a Sunday morning and I was playing church and going through the motions, but they weren't my, they weren't my circle of friends, right? Those are just people at church. And so this guy who was just this guy at church says to me, hey, you know, you admitted about the smoking pot thing. He says, Pastor, Ryan got up and said about accountability partner. He said, I'll tell you what, I will be your accountability partner. He said, if you feel like getting high, instead of getting high, he says, you pick up the phone and call me. Now, I actually had a hard time not laughing. I'm just being honest with you. I kept a straight face. I put my church face on and I shook his hand. And I said, oh, Tim, thank you so much. That's cool. But in my head, you know what I said? I'm like, are you kidding me? And he said, and if I've got some kind of problem, I'll call you. And again, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm smiling and shaking my head, but I'm going, yeah, right, dude. Are you kidding me? You're not going to call me. Because, you know, you're this righteous church guy. You know, you're uh, good, good, righteous church folk, right? And, it's, and so I'm thinking, you, you got no problems, probably. And if you do, you're not going to humble yourself to call me. And so the guy says it, and I, just, I said yes, but I just blew it off. Now, it was at a time in my life where I had gone from getting high every single day getting high every single day to to not getting high every day. I quit selling drugs and I was just begging God, set me free. We were singing a song earlier about God, you know, yeah, like the chains come off and, and be set free from that. And so I was in that process. And, you know, I had gone through drug counseling and all this stuff. And I'd, I'd go and I'd buy some drugs and I'd, I'd get high and then I'd apologize and repent and I'd flush it down the toilet. And I'd say, God, I'm sorry, I'm such a loser. You know, forgive me. And then I'd go a couple days and then I'd get high, and then I'd go a couple more days. So it's the first time in my life I'm not getting high every day. It's stretching out. It's going, you know, two, three days at a time. If I needed to get high, all I had to do was go to one of my friends. Uh, you know, drug people surround themselves with drug people so you feel good about yourself. Drinkers are going to surround themselves with drinkers so they can feel good about themselves. Christian folk, Jesus freaks are going to surround themselves with Christian people so they feel normal. We all do it. Human nature, we're going to surround ourselves with people with the same likes and interests. And we're going to put those people around ourselves so we just feel normal. It's just what we do, right? And so, because all my friends were drug and alcohol people, that's who my friends were. And so if I needed to get high, all I had to do was go to somebody's house and say, dude, hook me up. And, you know, I, I mean, what's going to happen? So... But I didn't own any. And that was a big thing. That's a big deal for somebody that's doing it every day. I didn't have any, right? And it's stretching out, it's stretching out. And I'm just kind of stuck there and I can't get past that spot. And so this, this guy says, you know, I'll be your accountability partner. And I didn't take him up on it. So picture it. He says that. And I don't know, maybe the week goes by. And, you know, I own my own business. I could go around, do whatever I wanted, worked on site. And I get done with the work day one day. And I'm going through this town, not our town, but another town. There's a guy there. I'm into antique motorcycles. And there's an antique motorcycle guy there who's a buddy of mine. And he's a drug and alcohol guy. And I stop over there. And we go into his basement. And he's showing me this new antique motorcycle that he just acquired. And so we're talking about it and looking at it. And without even talking, you know, drug people, you know, it's not like even talked about it. He just got it out. 
And he, he's about, you know, he's about to get high and he packs in a pipe and, you know, he took a hit off it and he goes to hand it to me. And right then my cell phone starts ringing. And I said to this guy, I said, hey, dude, just a second, just a second. And I look and I see it's Tim from church. So I go to him, I go, hey, shh, 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 just a second. And I go, hey, Tim, I'm, at, I'm busy working. Uh, I can't talk right now. I'm on a job site. Got to go click. I get off the phone. I hang up. I'm like, yeah, dude, I hit it. You know, we get high. I don't even think anything of it, man. I just don't even think a thing of it. So, I don't know, a period of time goes by, and I haven't gotten high. I've not done any drugs at all. However many days goes by, and I'm somewhere else, and this guy lights up a joint, and he's about to hand it to me, and my cell phone goes off. And it was at wintertime, because I remember I was wearing my black Carhartt jacket, right? And, uh, and my cell phone goes off, and it was long enough, this was flip phone days, right? It was old Nokia flip phone. And I said to this guy, I said, just a second, you know, and I, wow, that's kind of weird. And I answer, I say, hey, Tim, oh, man, I'm, I'm busy, can't talk, got to go, click. You know, we get high, I don't think nothing of it. But it's like, that's kind of weird, that's kind of weird, right? And then a period of time goes by, and now it's Saturday morning. And I told my wife, so I usually work six days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day. And this particular Saturday, my wife had wanted to do something with our kids, go somewhere, do something with the kids. Actually, it, was, it wasn't quite in the winter, but it was fall. Enough, cold enough, where there was no snow on the ground, but we were still wearing coats and stuff. And so she wanted to do something with the kids that Saturday afternoon. So I told her I would work a half day. I scheduled a half day of work for the Saturday. And so I worked from six to noon. And I'm driving through our town, and there's this used car lot and a car garage that one of my buddies runs. And I'm on my, on my way home, and through, I'm, I'm cruising through town, and I see my buddy out there closing down his shop. And so I just wheel my service truck up in there, and he's like, dude, you're just in time, closing the shop. And he locks all the doors, and we go inside, and all the doors are locked. And he flips a sign, you know, closed. All the doors are locked, and we go into the back shop, and he's got some, you know, seats out of a van or something that are in his garage, and we sit down, and we get high. We smoke just a couple hits, and he says to me, he goes, man, your timing couldn't be better. He said, in like 45 minutes, an hour, somebody's dropping off. This guy was a major drug dealer. Like, literally, the, the car dealership and all that stuff was real, but his major thing that he did was he sold drugs to the dealers. He was the dealer that sold drugs to the dealers. And I'm a close buddy of mine, another antique motorcycle guy. And um, I'm like, yes. He's like, in 45 minutes, somebody's bringing up this, this huge shipment of Coke from Chicago. And he said, man, we can stay here all weekend. We got a soda machine right there. We can stay locked up in this garage for two days. Party on me. Free Coke. So anybody here that's ever done Coke, and you hear the words, free Coke, all weekend long, I'm like, oh, man, are you kidding me? I am set. I'm like, wow, yeah, we're on it. So I'm, I'm here. And so we're sitting there 10 minutes, and I'm just starting to get really excited, anticipation about this Coke that's about to show up. And my cell phone rings. And I lift it out, and literally, I can tell you, my hand started shaking like this. And I'm looking at it, and the reality, it just went... I'm, I'm slow, right? I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But it went click, click, click. I, the seconds before I'm about to get high, he calls once. Oh, you know, oh, three days or a week, whatever, goes by, I don't get high. He calls seconds before I'm about to get high. And now he calls at this time. And I'm like, I realize it's not Tim calling. 
It's God. I couldn't even answer. I couldn't even answer and lie to him and say I was busy. I couldn't even answer the phone. I was so convicted. And I just silenced it and I put it back in my, in my coat. And it, it convicted me so bad. I'm just sitting there on this chair, on this, this bench. And finally I said to my buddy, I said, hey, dude, you know what? I told Lori we were going to do something. She wanted to do something with the kids. I said, I told her we were going to do something with the kids. I got to go, man. And he's like, what? He knew me. See, he knew the a level of addiction in my life. He said, you're leaving? I said, yeah, I, I told Lori. I told Lori we're going to do something with the kids. I got to go. And he's like, okay, dude, who just called? Paranoia, right? This guy sells a lot of drugs. He goes, you tell me who just called. Who was that? I said, it was Tim. And he knew the guy because another fellow business owner in our town. I said, it was Tim. And he knew Tim. And he knows Tim's not the cops, right? He's like, so why are you leaving? You said you were going to stay. What, what's up? Did you get busted? You got something you better tell me? You got something you got to tell me? I'm like, no. I, I told Lori that we were going to do something with the kids. I said, man, I just got to go. It's cool, dude. Thanks. I'm out of here. And I got in my truck and I left, right? So the next Sunday morning, because it's Saturday. Now it's Sunday morning, right? And we go to church. And we go to Bible study. And it's church. They did coffee and donuts. And guess who's there? Tim, right? And I'm avoiding him like he's got leprosy. He's trying to get me. He's trying to talk to me. I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, and I'm just like, I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to even look at him because I was so convicted. So this is what I didn't tell you. We'd do Bible study. We'd do small groups. We were doing this stuff. I was going to men's group and all this stuff. And God was giving me dreams in the middle of my sin. God was giving me visions. God was giving me words of knowledge and different things. And I would share it with the group. And I would say to somebody, hey, you know, uh, Last week, God gave me a dream about you, and it was this, this, and this. And the person would be like, oh my gosh, nobody in the world knows that. It had to be God gave you that dream. I can't believe that. And I would just share certain things. And Tim would say to me all the time, this, I didn't tell you this, but Tim would say all the time, man, you are so lucky that God talks to you. I wish God would talk to me, man. I, God never talks to me. I never hear God's voice. What, are you special? Why does God talk to you, right? So we'd had that conversation many times. So I leave church. I definitely don't admit to him what's happened the last three times he's called. And the Holy Spirit just convicts me all day Sunday. You've got to admit to Tim what happened the last three times he called. Because he doesn't think, listen Christians, this is where it applies to you right now today. Because he doesn't think that he hears my voice. He doesn't think that I'm talking to him. And unless you tell him what has happened... He isn't going to know that he's been responding to my voice and not even knowing it. But then I got to admit that I've been lying. Right? I got to admit that I got high. And I'm like, God, I don't want to, you know, I don't, he doesn't, I don't, he doesn't need to know that. I don't have to tell him that. And God's like, yeah, but if you don't, he doesn't, he isn't going to know that I'm talking to him. So, the, and I'm like, no, Lord, no. And so all day, son, he just convicted me and convicted me. So finally, Monday, I picked up the phone. I called him. I said, hey, Tim, I got to ask you a question. I said, why, why did you call me? Like two weeks ago, such and such. And he said, oh, I don't know, man. He said, I was just driving down the road. And you just came into my mind. I thought, oh, I'll give Bruce a call. I said, okay. I said, like a week ago, why did you call me? Because it's three times, like in a couple weeks, right? I said, why? like a week ago, why did you call me? And he said, same thing. He said, I was just driving down the road in the truck. And he says, uh, you just popped in my mind. I thought I'd give you a call, check on you, see how you're doing. I said, Tim, two days ago, on Saturday, I said, why did you call me? He said, that was weird. He goes, I was taking a nap. He goes, I was taking a nap. And he goes, I sat right up in the middle taking that nap. And I just felt like I needed to call you. He said, and I called you and you didn't answer. He said, so I called Lori, my wife, 
And she answered and she said she had just talked to you like an hour before. And you were on your way home. And he says, why didn't you answer the phone? He, you answered Lori's call. Why didn't you answer my call? She told me, right? She just talked to you. And I said, well, Tim, here's the deal, man. Two weeks ago when you called that first time, I was seconds, not minutes, not hours. I was literally just about to get high when the phone rang and you called. And then a week ago, I was seconds from getting high and you called. And Saturday when you called, I just caught a little buzz, but I was about to spend the next two days locked up in a garage with a pile of cocaine and Mountain Dew, and I would have been wrecked for the weekend, man. And you know what Tim says? Wow, what a coincidence. <laughs> That's what he said. I said, Tim, did you hear what I just said? He goes, yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. What a coincidence. I said, Tim, why did you call me? He said, you just came into my mind. I just thought I'd give you a call. It wasn't nothing. See, here's the thing. This is what Tim thought. Tim thought that if God was going to talk to him, because remember, God loves us so much, he talks to us, right? Let's just pull up the next verse. The next verse says, in John, it says this. No, wrong verse. The, the next verse that I was going to pull up was in, in uh, John 10, 27. And in John 10, 27, he says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. That's what John 10, 27 is. My sheep know my voice. And then John 8, 47, I think you got that one. John 8, 47, at the very, it's a long verse, but at the beginning of the verse, it says this. Now, if you're a Christian, you call yourself a Christian here today, and you say God does not talk to you, and you don't hear God's voice or prompting or urging, or there's no communication from God to you, this should convict you and tell you something is wrong. Whoever belongs to God, let's say this together. Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. These aren't my words. That's in red in the Bible. Jesus says that. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. But a lot of times we don't believe it or understand it or perceive it because it doesn't come the way we think. This is what Tim thought. Tim thought that when God spoke to somebody, it was going to be like this. Let me find the thing. This is what Tim was thinking. He's thinking like old school. Now, some of you are going to remember this. Remember the old school Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, right? Tim, this is God. Tim, this is God. Are you listening to me, Tim? Lightning, thunder. Key to lightning. The thunder, right? Tim, I want you to go and call Bruce now. Right? That's... That's what he's expecting it's going to be like. But it wasn't. It was a gentle prompting. So gentle that he didn't even perceive it. So soft that he didn't even realize it was God. But yet he responded to it in perfect timing. Once, not only once, but twice, but three times. So I'm trying to explain it to him on the phone. And I'm saying, Tim, you are hearing God's voice. It's why you called the first time. It's why you called the second time. He said, yeah, but it was just a thought that came to my mind. I said, exactly. That thought wasn't your thought. That was God's thought. And He loves you so much, He's speaking through you. He's speaking to you and through you to help me. And you know what? It helped Saturday because I left that place and I didn't do what I was about to do. Even though I didn't pick up the phone, Tim, it changed what I was about to do because God spoke through you. Right? See, a lot of times as Christians, we say God doesn't speak to us and we don't hear God's voice because we're expecting 
something other than the way it actually happens. The book that um, Pastor Terry mentioned, this red book, Saved by Angels to Share How God Talks to Everyday People. I'm just an everyday Joe, and I know it, right? But I know that God speaks to us. And the God had me go through the Bible beginning to end when I wrote this thing and write down every time that God communicated with somebody. Every single time in the Bible, from beginning to the end, that God communicated with somebody. And what I found out was it was in one of seven methods. By the time I got to the end of that exercise, God had me plugging it in to one of seven methods. So in the Bible, there were only seven methods, seven ways that God communicated to his people. And it says in the Bible, I, the Lord your God, do not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way he spoke to people in the Bible, then is the same way he speaks to people today. And if you're one of his children, if you're his son, if you're his daughter, I don't care how old you are, and I don't care how young you are, God loves you so much, he wants to have communication with you. That's why he says, you know what, pray without ceasing, pray about all things. Let's get in this intimacy relationship so deep, so intimate, that you hear my voice. See, let's just say this. Let me give you another analogy. I don't know where the state fair is here in Louisiana, but in my state, in Wisconsin, the state fair is in Milwaukee, and you could get 50,000, 60,000 people at this place in one day. Or more. So let's say you're at the state fair and you're there with your husband, or your wife, or one of your children. And you're walking along the fairway. And I mean, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And you're walking along. And I mean, it's just like so tight. People are bumping into you, right? And people are just, they're just packed in there like sardines. And maybe you like, they, do they sell elephant ears here? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, donuts that are powdered sugar, like those big fried Whatever. What do you call them? Funnel cakes. cakes, Whatever you want. They call them elephant ears by us, right? Because they're big flat. So you're walking. That catches your attention. Maybe you're like me, like, whoa. And you hold up and you're looking at it and you're you're salivating a little bit, you know, and you're like, I think I'm going to spend the rip off five bucks to buy that one dollar donut because it looks so good to me. And you're just kind of looking at it. And then you look up and, whoa, where'd my wife go? Where'd my husband go? They're gone because they just kept walking in the crowd and they didn't see that you stopped up for the funnel cake. And you start looking and there's 10,000 people. There's 50,000 people. You're, where are they? They're gone. Now, let me ask you the question. If they called your name, just your name, if your loved one called your name in the midst of all that noise, in the midst of all that confusion, if they called your name out in that crowd, are you going to recognize their voice? Even if you can't see them, are you going to recognize their voice? Why? Because you know them. You're going to recognize their voice because you know them. And once we get to know His voice, we'll recognize it in the noise and the confusion of our life. We'll recognize it in the middle of the stress and the drama and all the stuff that the world throws at us. We'll recognize that voice if we get to know Him. How do we get to know Him? How do you get to know your husband? How do you get to know your wife or anybody else? By spending time with them. There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut. If you choose to spend more time watching TV than reading the Bible and praying, you're going to get to know the characters on your favorite show better than you know Jesus. You'll know all the trivia questions for friends. Right? But what about the trivia questions for Jesus? If you spend more time on Facebook than you do 
reading your Bible and praying and spending time with Jesus, you're going to get to know where so-and-so eats or how much they love their husband or wife or what their birthday is more than you know about Jesus. There's no shortcut. There's no substitute to getting to know Him. There's no, you know what, I can just live my life the way I want and be like the world and go to church and play church on Sunday morning and think I'm going to be a mature Christian. It doesn't happen that way. You get to be a mature Christian by spending time with God every day. And it's a choice, an intentional decision that only you and I can make for ourselves. I can't make it for my wife. I can't make it for my kids. You can't make it for me. I can't make it for you. God gives us free will. He gives us free will. And He's waiting for people to be in love with Him and chase after Him. That's why it says in James, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. The eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for somebody who sold out to Him. That's what He's looking for. The story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapters 18 and 19, he goes through the whole thing on Mount Carmel and then he runs away. He's scared because Jezebel, wicked Queen Jezebel, has uh, threatened him, threatened his life. And he ends up on Mount Horeb and he's in the tunnel, in the, in the uh, cave rather. So he's in the cave. And it says that while he's in the cave, that there's a wind so strong that it broke the rocks. I don't know what you, but I've lived in a few different places in this country. I've never seen a wind so strong that it breaks rocks. But there's a wind so strong that it breaks rocks. And then it says, but God wasn't in the wind. And then there's an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then it says there's a fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And then it says that there was a still small whisper. And God spoke to him through the whisper. Would it be fair to say that that still small whisper was a thought that came into his mind? So still, so small, so quiet that it just, that thought just dropped in just like Tim. Where if he wouldn't have been paying attention or if he didn't know it, he wouldn't even realize it was God. We got to get to know him so that when the still small whisper comes, we recognize it. You know, there's that cartoon, we've all seen it. Little red devil on one shoulder, little angel on the other shoulder. That is a perfect picture. It's an accurate description of the unseen spiritual realm around us. Pastor said it. What's the spiritual realm around us is more real than this realm that we see. What's what we don't see is more real than what we do see because what we don't see is going to last forever. What we do see is going to go away. That's why it's more real. That's why the spiritual realm is more real because it's going to last forever. And so there are demons. That little red guy represents the devil and all his demons. They're speaking. They're talking. They're the ones that say you're not worthy. They're the ones that say God doesn't love you. They're the ones that say, you know what, you don't need to spend time with God. But that angel representing God, representing the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, he's the one telling us, he's the one dropping those thoughts that God loves you, that you are worthy, that he's got great plans for you. See, we got to, discernment is knowing which one of those voices, the origin, those thoughts that come into our head. I could tell you some really scary stories, some really scary stories in my life of different times where a, a plain thought comes into my head and then something happens and I realize, you know what? It was that red guy and I was hearing him so clear that I did something or made a phone call or did something and then it's confirmed and, I, and it make the hair stand up my body when I realize. Man, that was the devil trying to lead me the wrong direction. And he was talking very clearly. Just, I mean, so that there was no mistaking, right? God talks. The enemy, uh, he will always, he will always try to do a counterfeit of God. 
So, you know, if God is talking, the enemy is talking as well. It's just the way it is. The Bible says pray about all things. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And when we do, we're blessed. Other people are going to be blessed. Um, and in, in our obedience, it blesses other people. I was at a conference. There was a, a speaker there from another country. The, the country that she was from is from a predominantly Muslim country. Her and her husband run the only Christian radio station in this country. And it got bombed once. It got bombed twice. They gave them death threats. They came in. They stole. They, the government came in and took away all their all of their equipment. Because it's a Muslim-run country. And they said, no, we're just taking the stuff away. You can't do this. So they bought more equipment. They hid the radio station somewhere else. They're secretly transmitting. Her husband and her son go into hiding. And she's running it. And they're, I mean, somebody in their family gets killed because of them. And I mean, so she comes to be one of the speakers. I speak, she speaks. Afterwards, the people that put on the conference were, were eating lunch before everybody gets on the plane to leave. And... The whole, you know, I had a book table like I do today. And I know that at the book table, if I sell everything that I send ahead, I usually send the same amount of books every time. I know that if I sell everything, it's going to be, you know, around $500 if all the books sell. And so, all the books sold. And in my bag, I've got this, this huge people paying ones and fives and, you know, 500 bucks in ones and fives and tens is like, it looks pretty impressive. It's huge, right? And, the Lord says to me, she never said a word about money. The Lord says to me, the Holy Spirit just puts on my heart, right? We're praying, and you know, God, I want to be your hands and your feet. Tell me to do whatever you want me to do, and I'll do it, Lord. And the Lord says, give her all the book money. Now, here's the thing about the book money. We don't make any of that money. That's not a profit for our ministry or anything like that. Every time somebody buys a book, we give one away for free. So every single time somebody comes here and buys a book today, you're going to be blessed, but you're going to allow us to send a book away into prisons and jails or somebody that wants the book for free that, that mails, emails us or whatever. So it's not a money maker. It's just the way we do ministry and get the, the message out there. People need to hear that God talks to them seven different ways and God wants to talk to you. And so, I mean, it blesses people because they grow in their knowledge and their intimacy and their relationship with God. And so we feel passionate about the, the, the messages in the book and the other, the other two, there's two main books, but there's little ones, but the miraculous life. This lady showed up at the scene of the accident when the truck fell on me and I got crushed in half. This two-month-old baby Christian showed up and prayed me back to life after I was dead six to ten minutes. She prayed me back to life three times. She was living a miraculous life as a two-month-old baby Christian because she was operating in the with the weapons, with the tools that God has given all of us as believers. And so this one, there's 40-some miracle testimonies just like that, like stuff that could be straight out of the Bible, but it's not for special people, it's for all of us. That's the whole point. Those, those things are available to every person. So God says, give her, give her the book money, right? And he says, give her $500. So I'm thinking, no problem. I'll just reach in there, grab this whole wad of money, and give her the whole thing. And the Lord said, no, don't give her all of it. Give her $500. And, I'm, and I start arguing with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, well, Lord, it's going to be like, you know, 500 and something. It'll be close. I'll just give it to her all. What's like, what's another 50 bucks or what's another 20 bucks or whatever it is? You know, it doesn't matter. And the Lord said, count it out exactly $500. I'll give her exactly $500. So we're sitting at the table. The husband and wife to put it on her there. I'm here. She's there. I've got my black leather bag that I carry with all my stuff. And I'm trying to count out $500 down in this hole because I don't want to make it obvious, right? And I'm trying, and I keep losing count because it's so wide. There's so much of it. 
I keep and I try once and twice and three times and four times and I'm getting exasperated. And I just said, Lord, I'm just going to give it to her all. And he said, no, give her exactly $500. So I finally excused myself from the table, got up, went around the corner, plopped that thing down at the table, counted out $500 and it came to $513. I'm like, really, God? I couldn't just give her the extra 13 bucks. What does it even matter? Right? It doesn't even make sense to me. So I stuffed the extra 13 and I wad up this 500 bucks and we go to leave. And I hand her this 500 bucks and this big ball. And she's like, no, no, I can't take it. And I said, no, God said I'm supposed to give it. She's like, no, no, no. And I said, no, God said I'm supposed to give it. Just, please just take it. So she takes it. A week goes by, I get an email. This is what the email says. I was invited to do ministry to a place. They promised that they are going to pay for my airfare, the motel, XYZ. But they didn't. In fact, they gave me exactly... $500 short from what they said they were going to give me. They gave me exactly $500 short of what they said they were going to give me. What, when all the things were added up, it was exactly $500. She said, I got so upset because they don't know how much $500 means to us. Like $500 to us is probably like 5000 to you living in the United States. This is a huge, big, big thing for us. And she said, I had unforgiveness for them. She said, I struggled with it. I was praying against it. I was saying, God, why did you let him do this to me? You know how big 500 are. Now I can't even, you know, this is going to change my plans. I'm not going to be able to do what I'm, you know. And she's just having a meltdown. And so when we gave the $500, when I gave her the $500, what did it do to her? She said in the email, it encouraged me to know because it was exactly the amount that they shorted me. It encouraged me to know that God was listening to my prayers. God was answered, he used you to answer my prayers and I was able to forgive those people because God is my provider, not the people to put on the conference. Right? When you and I put our, my wife used to say with our kids, put your listening ears on. She used to say that to our kids, right? Put your listening ears on, right? Picture this. Is there a, close to this area, there's got to be a, like an FM radio tower here somewhere, right? You can all think of it. Not a cell tower, but a, like a radio tower, right? Where the, you know, the big radio towers, right? Picture in your mind whatever the local radio tower that you've ever seen you could think of. That represents God. God is always transmitting, right? He's always speaking. He's always talking. He's talking to people all the time through seven different ways, seven different methods. He's speaking to us all the time. Now, let's say you drive by that FM radio tower with your car. You got an old car and it's not digital. You got an old school car where you got to tune your radio with a knob, not push a digital button. All right. And you're driving by and your radio is off. Are you going to hear whatever's being transmitted on that station? Nope. Nothing's coming through your speakers. Maybe you got your radio on, but you don't have it tuned in quite and it's coming in and out and you're getting static. But then you hear a little bit of the song or the speaking, but then it goes back out. You know, God is speaking all the time. The Bible says he is. He says he is. We, Christians, you and I, we have to have our tuner tuned in. And he's not going to tune your tuner for you. I can't tune your tuner. Only you can. You can't tune my tuner. And if maybe you hear God's voice a little bit, but sometimes it's cloudy and sometimes it's, there's some static in there, it's because it's not quite tuned in. And then, remember old school, when you got it just right, the little red dot would come on. Remember? The little red dot would come on and it would say stereo. Right? Boom! And it's nice and clear. God wants us to have our tuner tuned into stereo. 
He wants us to be clear, but he's, he can't do that for you. He won't do that for you because he's not going to override your free will. He loves us so much. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to have relationship. He wants to have intimacy. But he is not going to force anybody to do it. You and I can are the only ones. You're the only ones. And it's not just about us. It's not just about our relation. You know, it's not just about us being blessed. See, if we've got our tuner tuned in and we're hearing God's voice, it's going to bless us, but it's going to bless everybody in our circle influence. Husband, if you've got your tuner tuned in, it's going to bless your family. It's going to bless your wife and your kids. Wife, woman of the house, you got your tuner turned in, it's going to affect everybody in your house. It's going to affect the people you work with. It's going to affect your neighbors. It's going to affect your mom and dad. I mean, it's, it affects our whole circle influence when we are tuned into God because we're going to then be responsive to what he says. Do this, don't do that. Say this, don't say that. I mean, I could just give you testimony. after I've got a, a whole line of testimonies here that I was just thinking of and writing down. And again, we discernment is knowing where those voices come from, those thoughts that come into our mind. I spoke at a large jail. I, I do a lot of prison and jail ministry. And in these big new jails, what they do is they do pods where they've got 60 people in a, in a pod. And I go in there for an hour and then I go to the next pod for an hour and I go to the next pod for an hour. And let's say there's 2,000 people in that jail. It might take me a couple days to get through giving my testimony each pod. And so we're out in South Dakota at this big jail and I'm going through pod by pod by pod. My wife is back over staying. And the last pod, the last day, my throat is roached. I can barely talk because they don't give you a microphone. And I'm speaking to 60 people for an hour at a time all day long, hour after hour after hour. And so at the end of the day, my throat is just just toasted. And I'm in this woman's pod. It was a woman's pod. I, I, this woman comes in, this group of women, you know, again, 50, 60. And I immediately sensed in the spirit that there was demonic on this lady. I sensed there was this one certain lady that was demonic on her. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm aware of it. I give my testimony. And I see that while I'm speaking, she's writing stuff down. And afterwards, she comes up as they, as they release them. She comes up to me and she's got a yellow tablet, a legal pad. And on this legal piece of yellow paper, she had ripped it off. And on one side, she had taken her hand and drawn the outline of her hand on this paper. Has anybody ever driven by a psychic or a tarot card place and there's a symbol of the hand up there? Right? So there it is. On one hand, on one side of the paper is a symbol of her hand. She drew around it. On the other side, she comes up to me and she goes, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She said, was the color of the truck that fell on you, was it red? I go, yeah, it was. It's not in the book. It's not in any Hollywood reenactment, the 50-some television shows I've been on. Never once does anybody ever know that it's a red truck. She says, the guy that came and prayed for you in the hospital... Was he tall? Did he have a beard? And she describes the guy to a T. And I go, yeah. And she's just going through this list and she's hitting it. Boom, 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 boom. And then she goes, do you have a son named Jacob? I go, yeah. And then she says something bad about his future. And then she says, uh, you know, there's somebody, and she says a state, and she says a city, that would love to see you dead because you could tell on them for a murder they committed. Which is absolutely true. And I'm the only one that wasn't part of that group that day that they murdered that person that I was there. And it was a way to what? Bring fear on me. And when I go in to speak to these jails, in the back of my mind, always in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, are one of those ten guys going to be here today? You know, that were there, that I saw what they did. So I, I grabbed it from her. I took it from her. 
I went back to where we were staying. And I said to Lori, I said, look, listen to this. Boop, 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 boop. So, yeah. And I burned it. And I said, not today, Satan. I'm not receiving any of that. See, I, I share that with you. I share that with you because here's the thing. That little red guy, people can be tuned into him because they spend time with him. And they can hear his voice clearly. And there are real psychics. Real psychics. I mean, there's the baloney ones that it is total garbage and they're just making stuff up. But there are real psychics because there is power and there are entities and they can be tapped into that. And that lady was tapped into it. I mean, she told me facts. Every one of those facts were true. But it ended with a bad thing. It ended with fear. What the end result was bad. That's why God said, don't go to medium. Don't go to a spiritist. You know, I was just driving through and I saw the lady from on the side of the building. I saw the, the medium from Long Island that's going to be coming to the, to the thing. Right there. That's real stuff, man. That's real. Tapped into the wrong entity. And if you tap into that, if you, if you, God said, don't team up with that because if you do, there is always going to be a negative price to pay. Is it real? Yeah, it's real. And you know what? The enemy can speak to us and he does speak to us as Christians. And discernment is knowing which voice. Because if he says bad things to you that bring up fear, if he says things that bring up guilt, if he says things that make you end up in a worse place than you are already, then you know that it's not from God. Right? So discernment is knowing the voices that come into our head, the thoughts that come into our mind. Where are they coming from? Is it a thought from Bruce? Is it from the enemy? Is it from God? Right? I'll, I'll end with one last testimony. I'll just, I'll just pick one off of here. Um, Pray, with all, pray about all things. Pray without ceasing, right? This guy, this guy uh, contacts our ministry. Uh, there's actually two testimonies with this guy. Two testimonies. A priest calls from Hawaii and he says, God told me, I think, that I'm supposed to invite you here to my little bitty Catholic church to, to give a message about your testimony and how the angels saved you and all this. And I said, great. And he's like, what do we need to do? And I said, just buy the ticket and I'll come. And he's like, oh, we're so poor in our church, I don't have the money for the ticket. And I said, well, ask other churches. Sometimes churches go in together and they'll buy the ticket together and I'll speak at all the different churches. So he says, that's a great idea, I'll do that. Um, a month later, calls back and he said, I must not have heard from God. I went to all the churches, nobody... Has heard of you. Nobody wants to have you here. Just us. So I guess it wasn't from God. I'm sorry. And I said, hey, let's just do this. I said, let's just pray. So we prayed. And I said, God, if it's your will that I'm supposed to go to Hawaii and give my message to this church, then you supply the way. And if it's not, if it's of the flesh, it's not from you, then we'll just forget it. Two or three days later, the phone rings. And there's this broken Asian voice, broken English Asian voice that contacts. And, and the guy's crying on the phone. And I said, yeah, can I help you? And he says, I don't know. And I said, what can I do for you? And he says, I don't know. And I said, why are you calling? And he says, you tell me. And I said, what? You called me? He said, yeah. I said, why? He says, you tell me. I said, mister, why are you? I don't get understand. I said, why are you calling? He said, and I'm, I'm not making fun of his voice, but he, he says, you know, in broken English, he, driving down the road in Mercedes Benz, power God comes in car. I pull over crying so hard. God says, don't go to meeting, go home. I go home, I'm in my room. God says, bottom of bookshelf, red book, take out book. He said, I pulled out book. God says, last page, last page, phone number. God says, call phone number. He says, I call. Why am I calling you? I said, well, I could tell by your area code. You're from Honolulu? Yes. I said, well, this pastor just contacted me and he thought I was supposed to come. and and But he couldn't come up with the money for the ticket. He goes... Money for ticket? That's all you need? 
I said, yeah. He says, bring your whole family. I, I pay for tickets. No problem. No problem. So the guy's driving on the road. God tells him, pick up the phone. Call. He doesn't even know why, right? He's responding to it. Another time, this same guy, years later, after he gave away all his millions, that same guy, after a big, big monster glass house on the side of the mountain, he gave away it all. He gave, you know, he gave it all away. He's driving a 1990-something Chevy truck right now. Millions. He gave it all away. Went into street homeless ministry. He's got a radio. He's, he's complete. I mean, uh, that is an amazing story all by itself. But after he gives it all away, his wife has a dream. In the dream, God says, send Sweet Bread Ministries X amount of money. It's this odd number. It's, it's not even even number. It's an odd number. So he calls up. He said, his wife's name is Min. He said, Min had this dream. We're supposed to give you this money. What is the exact need? And I said, Aaron, I, you know, we always have needs. We're, we always have needs. I said, but I have to tell you, I don't have an exact need for that amount of money. There is no one. He said, there's one bill that's that amount. I said, no, there isn't. There isn't. I mean, I'd love to have you send that, but there isn't. And he's like, are you sure? I said, I'm positive. So we got off the phone. They pray. They send the check in the mail. Right? What they thought God said overrode what I said. So that day in the mail comes this check for this strange amount of money. Guess what came the same day in the mail? To our ministry. A bill for that exact amount of money. See... God wants that same relationship with every single person here. Aaron and men aren't special. There are no super Christians. There's no favorites. God wants to have intimacy with every one of us. It's our choice if we're going to press in. It's our choice if we're going to get to know him. It's our choice if we're going to say, God, I want to know you more like Moses did. And really mean it and press in and give him the first fruits of our day. And just say, God, please, I want you so bad. I want, you know, that hunger for God can't be put on you from somebody else. It's got to be individual. Amen. And it's because God loves you so much. He wants to pour out his presence. There is nothing like the presence of God in your life. There's nothing like a hug from God. There's nothing like feeling love from God. There's nothing that can compare. There's no amount of money. There's no sexual thing. There's no drug thing. There's no feeling in the world that can compare to the love that God gives us. Nothing. God, we just lift this subject up to you, God ignite the embers in our heart on fire for you. God, help us to put you first. Help us to position ourselves in a place, Lord, where we are hungry for you, where we give you the first fruits, where we spend time getting to know you because you love us so much. Thank you, God, that you offer intimacy. Thank you, God, that you offer relationship. Thank you, God, that you want to dialogue with your children because you love us so much. Help us to receive that, to believe that, to enter into that so that we can be blessed and be a blessing so that we can just know and feel and receive how much you love your children. Lord, for anybody here today that struggles with the thought, that struggles with the truth, that they are loved by you, just as much loved by you as every other person in the world. Just as much loved by you, Father, as you love Jesus. For any people that have been deceived into that type of thinking, we just break that lie, the enemy, off in Jesus' name. Jesus, you said you're the way, the truth, and the life. And your truth is that you love your children, that you have plans to prosper us and not harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future, that your children hear your voice. We just thank you for that love, God. Help us to enter into that relationship. Help us to make that choice, to make that decision, Lord. We thank you. We give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise.
We give you all the honor and all the glory and praise. Thank you, God, that you're faithful when we are not. Thank you, God, that you're trustworthy when we're not. Thank you, God, that you're loving when we're not. Thank you, God, that you are kind even when we're not. You said in Galatians, do I send the Spirit and work miracles among you because you follow the law or because you believe what you heard? Lord, we know. As Pastor Terry said at the beginning, it's because we believe. It's not because of our good works. It's not because of our righteousness. You said approach the throne of grace with boldness, with confidence, to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Lord, our confidence isn't in us. It's not in our goodness or any of our prayers. Our confidence and our boldness is in you and the finished work of the cross. Help us to know it, to receive it. Help us to make that, God, give us that revelation beyond my knowledge but to heart knowledge. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.